Hello and welcome to the Believe in Me podcast with me, Rona Barton. In this week's episode, I'm going to be chatting to you about diagnosis and ME. This is the second episode for this podcast and following last week's episode when I shared my own ME story, I wanted to chat a little more about getting a diagnosis of ME and what that means. Before I launch into the topic fully, if you want to be one of the first to be notified about each new episode, please do like, share and subscribe to the podcast or sign up for my mailing list by visiting www.ronabarton.co.uk. Okay, let's begin. As I mentioned last week, I spent almost 10 years living with ME. I was paralysed, bedbound and wheelchair bound before my recovery from a car crash helped me get back on my feet. I tried all possible solutions that were put to me, including speaking with a psychologist, graded exercise, dietary changes, hydrotherapy, cognitive behavioural therapy, massage, acupuncture, etc. What I didn't really chat much about on last week's episode was my diagnosis and what that experience was like. To some extent, I was very fortunate with my diagnosis. My GP, a kilt-wearing, Harley-Davidson-driving older chap, was of the belief that as the patient, you know your body best. He listened to what I had to say. Having been back and forth a few times when I was initially diagnosed with labyrinthitis, he saw for himself that I wasn't improving. Overall, he was a kind person who took the time to empathise with me and let me say what I needed. He didn't force his opinions on me and he didn't try to persuade me that it was all in my head. He treated me as a human being who knew that something wasn't right. Based on my ever-increasing symptom list, the conversations I'd had with my mum and my GP's own experience, we agreed that a diagnosis of ME was most likely. He signed me off work for the next four weeks and sent me home with a sick line. He also wrote to, at the time, the UK's leading ME specialist. For me, that appears to be where the issues began. I received a letter advising me that I would be seen by the specialist, but that I would have to wait for an appointment. I waited about four months until I received notification that I would be seen. When the appointment date came round, Dad bundled me into the car. We made our way to Glasgow and had to walk through the hospital to get to the relevant area. There, we had to sit in the brightly lit waiting room and wait to be seen. All of this, and then one of the things I was expected to do for this leading specialist, was hop on one leg. Yet you heard me, the UK leading ME specialist had me hopping on one leg, and was then surprised that I did it. He was surprised that someone with ME, 
You know, the kind of people who like to push through and do everything that's asked of them, actually did as they were asked. He then had the gall to tell me that as I was able to hop, I clearly didn't have ME. I was furious. My dad was furious. And when we made it back to the car and back home, for dad to then tell mum the outcome, she was furious. Now I need to take a pause at this bit because I'm beginning to feel angry again thinking about the way I was treated and I know it was over 20 years ago but I was at my lowest and it was such a horrible way to be treated. Let me talk to you for a bit about how ME is diagnosed. The information I'm about to give you is taken from Action for ME's website and if you want to visit them you can do so by heading to www.actionforme.org.uk I'll pop all the links in the show notes so that you can have them. Their website tells us that scientists have not yet found biological abnormalities in ME that are specific enough to be used as a diagnostic test. A doctor will assess your medical history, they'll recognise the typical symptom pattern of ME and they'll conduct basic tests such as blood or urine samples in order to rule out other conditions. You might need several visits to the doctor to go through all of these tests and gain the results. There are a number of illnesses that sound quite similar in their symptoms and excluding these other conditions is an essential part of the process to form a diagnosis. The earlier the illness is recognised, the sooner symptom management and support can begin. One aspect that can be helpful for some people is to keep a diary of their symptoms so that they can take this to their GP. Personally, I had a list which I kept updating and then would forget to take it with me (laughs) to the GP. So I highly recommend popping the likes of a sticky note at the door um, to remind you to pick up your list prior to your visit. Once you have a diagnosis of ME, your GP may be able to refer you to an ME specialist depending on availability in your area. They may be able to offer options for managing your symptoms. The 2021 NICE guidelines for ME for health professionals in England and Wales advises that they should suspect ME if a person has had a specific set of persistent symptoms for a minimum of six weeks in adults, four weeks in children and young people, and the person's ability to engage in occupational, educational, social or personal activities is significantly reduced from pre-illness levels and symptoms are not explained by another condition. However, contradictory guidance has led to concerns that a small number of people with ME are being challenged by their healthcare professionals as to the validity of their ME diagnosis and instead being told that they have medically unexplained symptoms. 
The 2010 Scottish Good Practice Statement on ME provides GPs with guidance on the differential diagnosis and clinical management of patients with ME. It recommends making a formal positive diagnosis three to four months into the illness based on the symptom pattern and excluding other conditions as appropriate. I believe there's no official guideline in Northern Ireland at the moment, though some doctors choose to use the NICE guideline and I believe also there are currently no specialist services. All right, that's helped me calm down a little bit now. So let me jump back into the testing that I went through. Towards the end of January 1999, I lost the use of my legs. So mum kindly called the specialist's receptionist secretary person to let them know the latest in case it made any difference to my appointment. It didn't. In February, I spent three days in hospital going through a barrage of tests that were requested by the specialist. I had bloods taken again, urine samples checked, an MRI scan of my brain and a lumbar puncture. I still shudder at the memory of the lumbar puncture. There's something very odd about allowing a stranger to insert a needle into your spine voluntarily and then having to lie flat out for at least four hours. Oh. The MRI scanning machine was so loud that it made me dizzy whilst it was switched on. I also wasn't overly happy with being shoved headfirst into a metal tube and being told not to move for what could be up to 30 minutes. So needless to say, I was relieved to get back to my house and my own bed. I was exhausted. I had been poked, prodded, moved, spoken at, talked over, stared at by trainee doctors and disbelieved by the so-called specialist. I felt like I'd been run over with a steamroller. About a week or so later, I made a trip back to my own GP. Remember him from earlier? He's the Harley-driving, kilted GP. Well, I visited him to find out the results of all of the hospital tests. He was interested in hearing my own thoughts and experiences from the hospital visit and he sat quietly and let me vent. He checked in to see how I was doing on that particular day and then we moved on to discuss my results. He kindly translated the specialist report and went through each of the test results. Blood tests? Normal. Urine samples? Normal. MRI scan of brain? Normal. Oh, and the lumbar puncture? Normal. The specialist's overall findings? <laughs> a stress-related condition probably from stress from either work or home life. Well, wowzers. I don't have a medical degree, but even I was able to figure out that finding. I knew that before I went to the hospital and before I went through any of these tests. Honestly, I cannot tell you how frustrated I found the specialist. I had hoped he would have been able to offer some hope to me as I was facing this new scary world. 
But instead, it was as if I was being fobbed off and told he didn't believe me or that I just didn't matter. I was invisible to him as far as I knew. But thank goodness for my GP. He would be the one to offer me hope, treatment suggestions and even laughter during our appointments. One of which was on this very day while getting my results. He told me that my MRI scan was normal, saw my disappointment and quickly followed it up with a comment about at least we know there's a brain. We both laughed about it as previously I'd been struggling with my words and my focus and I'd told him I'd begun to doubt whether or not I had a brain at all. By the time I had left that appointment, my GP had lifted my spirits and he had agreed that we would ignore the specialist's findings as they weren't productive. He would continue to monitor me with regular appointments and he was confident in his diagnosis of ME as well as my ongoing labyrinthitis. So as you can see, I had some positive aspects to my diagnosis and some negative aspects. I choose to continue to think of the positive experiences and the excellent treatment I received from my GP. I know that others aren't so fortunate and I hope that changes for all of us. There are a couple of points from today that I'd like you to take away from this. The first one being, getting a diagnosis can take a while. Please don't lose faith. You know your body better than anybody, so please continue to ask for help. Number two, the diagnosis you get doesn't have to be the one that you're stuck with. Just like it wasn't the one I was stuck with. Number three, there is guidance out there for GPs to follow. And there are organisations such as Action for ME that continue to fight our corner. Again, I'll put links in the show notes. So should you wish to refer to any of these items, please do click on the notes and find those links. That's it for today, everybody. I've shared my experiences of my diagnosis and my ME. And in doing so, I've chatted about the wonderful, kilt-wearing, Harley-Davidson-driving GP that I had. The awful experience I had with a so-called specialist, worse than that, the UK's leading specialist, and the testing that I underwent. Next week, I'm going to be chatting a bit more about isolation and ME. So for today... Please like, share and subscribe to Believe in Me with Rona Barton via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. And remember, you can sign up to my mailing list by visiting my website at www.ronabarton.co.uk. I hope today's a good day for you. I'll be back next week. Bye for now. (music) Thank <music> you.